Welcome to episode 8 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. So thanks for stopping by and uh, checking out the podcast, taking a few minutes out of your day. And today, I'm smoking something a little bit different. I'm Most of the time, I smoke Maduros. Well, actually, this is a Maduro that I'm smoking, but this is a, a little bit different this is the Foundation Cigar Company cigar called the Upsetters. Really, really kind of neat. A little bit different flavor profile than I usually smoke, especially because it's a thin-infused cigar, which I'm not not a big fan of. But I tried one of these, and uh, it's pretty interesting. So it's it's called the Upsetters, like I said, by the Foundation Cigar Company. And the one I'm smoking is called Zola, and it is a Maduro. Um, they have a, the whole line in the Upsetters collection. You can check out the, the different ones on their website by clicking on the link in the show notes. So I'll go ahead and read you uh, the description uh, that they have on the website as far as, uh, or with, with as much information as they give. It says, putting Jamaica back on the map for premium tobacco. The upsetters represent the next level in the evolution of the infused cigar smoking segment. Beginning with our unique use of Jamaican cow tongue leaf, the upsetters fillers evenly pair this rare and ancient tobacco with only the finest Nicaraguan leaf available. Utilizing a tradition established thousands of years ago, the Upsetter's flavor and profile further benefits from a carefully measured technique known as Caribbean Atmospheric Herbal Fusion. All said, the Upsetter's full line of premium cigars reflects a certain elegance that is sure to appeal to both the experiential and adventurous smoker, as well as the most ardently traditional smoker alike. So that's really all of the uh, description they have on their website. A little further down on the website, they have a, a backstory to uh, the story of the Upsetters that you can check out if you uh, go to the link. Uh, but I'm smoking, like I said, the Zola, which is a Maduro 6x52. And so I searched on the, on the uh, internet to see if I could find a little bit more of a, a description about them. And I went to... Uh, a site called cigarsdirect.com and found a little little paragraph that I wanted to read to you. We're not exactly sure how Foundation flavors these cigars, but we do know that owner Nick Melillo learned a lot of cigar-making methods in his time at Drew Estate. There he may have picked up the secret techniques used to create acid cigars, which are infused in flavoring chambers that may contain essential oils, herbs, and botanicals. In any event, this cigar tastes of rich Nicaraguan tobacco, but also chocolate and summer berries. It's a fascinating mix and definitely a cigar for people who are a little tired with the status quo in their humidors. So that was a little quote from CigarsDirect.com. I didn't mention before that Nick Melillo, who owns Foundation Cigars, previously worked with uh, Drew Estate. And if you've ever had a Drew Estate acid cigar, this is basically 
Foundation Cigars version of the acid. It tastes very, very similar to me. It's a very perfumey. It's hard to hard to nail down what you're tasting, but it's uh, definitely definitely different. I'd urge you to give it a try. So getting back into uh, this week's reading of What Does God Want by Michael Heiser, Dr. Mike Heiser. The heading for the section this week is Rebellion Number 2. You may have heard somewhere along the way that the Bible teaches the world has so much evil in it because of humanity's fall into sin in the Garden of Eden. That's only partially true. After the tragedy of Eden, there were two more episodes that plunged humanity further into the depths of depravity and chaos. The first of these is described in Genesis 6, 1-4, arguably one of the stranger incidents in the entire Bible. Trust me, I've written whole books on it. The story is about how some of God's supernatural children, the sons of God, wanted to imitate God by producing their own human children to image themselves. They decided to use human women, the daughters of men, for that purpose. This made them rivals to God, their own Heavenly Father. Rather than be happy with God's desire to have humans become members of their family, they decided they wanted to be overlords of their own humans. That wasn't what God had in mind. God wanted a family, not slaves. These angels that sinned, 2 Peter 2.4, transgressed the boundary between heaven and earth. They did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. Jude 6. God sent them to hell as a result. 2 Peter 2, 4-5, and Jude 6. But the deed was done, and it has disastrous consequences. Look at the two verses that follow the Bible's recounting of this rebellion. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Genesis 6, 5-6 through six. Think about that. Every intention in everyone's heart was only evil continually. God regretted he had made humanity. The thought grieved him. This is the very definition of depravity and the sorrow it brings. The first supernatural rebellion led to humanity losing eternal life with God, which is bad enough. This rebellion took the effects of sin to another level, accelerating human self-destruction. God felt deep remorse over the way things had turned out. Humanity had been permanently damaged. The Bible tells us that God could see no other solution but to send the flood to wipe out humanity. Genesis 6:17. It's important to notice that the flood story never says God was angry. It only says he was heart-stricken over what was going on. God had decided to give humans freedom. He couldn't take it away since doing so would mean they would no longer be like him. They'd no longer be truly human. The only choice was to start over and put an end to what the rebellious sons of God had caused. Only one man was said to be righteous in God's eyes. Noah. Genesis 6-9 At least there was one. God would take it. He would move ahead with his plan to have a human family. God told Noah to build an ark, 
a large ship, so that he, his family, and multitudes of animals would survive. But God still held out hope that as deep as human depravity had become, that his human children could be with him. Mercifully, he gave Noah 120 years to prepare for the flood, Genesis 6-3, and tell people what was going to happen so they could turn from their depravity and be forgiven, 2 Peter 2-5. In the end, people wouldn't listen. They refused God's gracious warning. Once again, God's children turned their backs to him, as they were free to do. Is it any wonder God's heart was so broken? At least there was Noah and his family. After the flood, God repeated the original commands he had given to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 9.1 God was starting over with them. He made a covenant with Noah that extended to all humankind. Genesis 9.8-17 A covenant is a promise or pledge. This covenant was one-sided. It was all about God's promise to never destroy humanity. Genesis 9.11 Amazingly, God still wanted a human family. Not as amazing, but still pretty incredible. The abuse of God's goodness would continue. A third rebellion followed the flood. This one would frame the rest of the biblical story and show, again, God's unconquerable patience and love. And that'll do it for that section of Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? Rebellion number two. So I hope you'll come back next week. And again, thanks for stopping by and checking out the podcast. If you need to reach me for any reason, any comments, questions, suggestion, my email's in the description below. So don't hesitate to uh, send me a message. Thanks once again. And until next week, have a great day. Have a great cigar, and God bless.